It's time to expect more from urgent care, like caregivers who take time to listen, smooth access to local specialty care if you need it, virtual visits and save your spot convenience, plus easy access community locations. And we're open 365 days a year to treat your sprains, cuts, fever, and flu. Northwell Health Go Health Urgent Care. Get more than you expect and exactly what you need. Welcome to a new era in urgent care. This episode of Bush Breakaway is brought to you by no sponsors at all. If you are a sponsor out there and you're like, wow, I really want to sponsor the most popular Rangers podcast. Well, good news. Contact us. BlueShirtsBreakaway.com. Click contact us. Send us an email. Maybe we can work something out. We can be partners. We can be friends. And also, we want to dedicate this to our Patreon subscribers who are seriously the best and keep us going to do this podcast every single Tuesday for the last, I don't know, it feels like three millennials at this point. So, if you want to become a Patreon subscriber, you can go to patreon.com slash boostersbreakaway. Become a subscriber today. Support the podcast. Support me and Greg. Buy us a beer. Buy us a coffee. Buy us some food. Sponsor us something. Help us, please. Okay, big podcast today. Aaron Portsline from The Athletic comes on. Talks Panarin news. Might be grim. I don't know. And also, we talk about all other things, including Capacaco, my future boyfriend. All right, let's go. Welcome to another week of the Bush Church Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, you're still alive. What's up, man? Say hello. Um. Yep. Yeah. No, no. that's the appropriate uh, response. Welcome to I, uh, our Rangers podcast. Yeah, so I've been um I've been getting heavily into horse racing recently. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh I'm trying to replace my crippling depression about Mets baseball with uh, financial ruin. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the most appropriate way to go. I couldn't agree more. Uh, And why wait for total financial ruin for other betting like football when you could just bet ponies? Just get, just get out of the way. It's fun too. It's it's fun. It's fun. Somehow everyone. uh, Oh yeah. Uh, So we'll get to the Mets later. I, I, it's impossible for me not to ask bet questions to Greg today I know you some guys some of you out there are very touchy about that subject we'll be uh, yeah, we'll keep we'll, we'll be keeping it towards the end uh, after the interview today we have Aaron Portsline from The Athletic comes on and talks about John Davidson the new New York Rangers president and he also talks about Panarin and uh, the possibility of him being a Ranger uh, spoiler alert not so great we'll get to that in a second uh, somehow Greg still a lot to talk mm. about on May 20th 2019 a lot of topics yeah. I did not expect to be talking about. I guess we'll start with Davidson, uh, and we talk about a lot this a lot of this with uh, Aaron, but so we won't have to go too in depth to it. But did you have any initial reaction to the John Davidson becoming a president president of the Rangers uh, signing? Well, the good news is I don't know if it's good news. We all knew this was coming. This right? was the At lock of the point, year. Yeah, as soon as Eisenman came off the board, Eisenman being the only name, like the only official name, the Rangers were ever tied to besides Davidson. We knew it was an inevitability. And we've talked about this on the pod before, and we've talked about it on social media, definitely. Um, it's hard to be angry that the Rangers selected Davidson, right? He checks he checks a lot of boxes, and Aaron goes over those boxes with us later on in the pod, but we can rehash them briefly here. He's a guy that's not afraid to uh, buck, buck trends. He did it with the Yarmo Kekalainen hide, uh, hiring. He did it when he decided to 
it, I'm not saying it was his idea to go all in with the Blue Jackets this year, but let me put it this way. If John Davidson didn't want to go all in with the Blue Jackets this year, they wouldn't have gone all in. Um, he's resurrected two franchises from the basement of the league. So he's a guy who knows how to restore legacy for franchises. It, my only my only problem with the hiring, if you could even call it a problem, it's not even a problem with the hiring. It's just, it, it's always been really weird to me that the New York Rangers just didn't conduct a search. It, it, because at the end of the day, if the Rangers do conduct, conduct a search, there's a good chance that nobody would have a better resume or plan than John Davidson does. I don't think that's an unrealistic thing to say. He is a very accomplished guy with a very diverse background and a hell of a history with the New York Rangers. So it's it's not so much I, I've never been mad that they were going to hire Davidson or Davidson was always their guy. It's just always weird to me when a team really hamstrings themselves like that. that you don't lose anything by doing a search, especially we all knew that Davidson wasn't going to – interview for the job or take the job until the blue jacket season was over. So if you're the New York Rangers, why don't you just take that month that you had when say they're officially stepped down. And while the blue jackets were playing um, playoff hockey, why not just take that month to talk to other people, see I, what their ideas are. I believe see my response they to would you do with your team last time was it's just free information and you should take it. But yeah, I, I think uh, Dolan is a little busy with his life. He's got some things going on. Like getting the third overall pick. Hey, congrats, Knicks. You didn't get the fifth. How nice. Um, sorry, Knicks fans. That's really tough. And he's playing. I, feel, I think Knicks fans have done okay with it, though. I think the Knicks have a chance to get three superstars next year and be like an NBA Finals favorite like immediately. But that's for another podcast. Um, I think uh, I think you, you should go out and get all the information you should get if you can do that by interviewing as many candidates as possible. But it seemed like the mind was made up of Dolan and other ownership, uh, other minority holders, that Davidson would be the president. It was like Rick Corpadella tweeted it like, what, like two months ago? Like, this could happen. But Rick knew, like, it was definitely going to happen. Uh, yeah. And I don't, I, don't, I don't even know if we can say it, it felt like Dolan always felt this way. It, it, more than anything, it felt like Sather always felt this way. And it, it still feels like Dolan was going to do what Sather told him was right. Which, again, as there are issues we can all have with Glenn Sather. One thing I think he deserves credit for is having the command of the room when he's in it with James Dolan. Because with the Knicks, we've seen so many different executives try to control that room with Dolan. And them either being incapable of holding the room or incapable of doing the job once they get the room. So as, as many things as we can poke holes in the legacy of Glenn Sather, one thing for sure is... Glenn Sather knows, or James Dolan trusts Glenn Sather to do the right thing for the organization. And Sather knows hockey, and he knows John Davidson, and the Rangers know Davidson. So it, it was almost like Sather stepped down and said, hey, we got to wait, but this is John's gig. If Sather wanted to do a full interview process, I think the Rangers do a full interview process. But I just don't think that desire was there. And to me, that's that's the only flaw with the search. I'm 100% fine if the Rangers conduct a wide search, bring 10 guys in, and Davidson is the cream of the crop. It's very possible that happens. I'm just a little it, – it's hard for me to say I'm not a little disappointed the Rangers didn't do an actual search. 
listen. I'm actually not that upset. Usually, I think I'd be in your shoes. Somehow, I feel like I'm usually like yeah, you. Yeah, no, but I, even even then, Ryan, I, I upset's not the word I would use because I, I I like John Davidson. I like the hire. He's a guy that seems willing to do different things. And at the end of the day, as many times that we poked holes in David Quinn's coaching philosophy last year, one thing it always came back to for me was the Rangers decidedly did something different. They went out on a limb with David Quinn and did something other teams weren't willing to do. I I mean, just look at the Buffalo Sabres, the fact that the Sabres hired Ralph Kruger instead of a litany of other choices they could have had. I'm really thrilled the New York Rangers didn't do that. And John Davidson seems like the kind of executive that is more than willing to try different things because we've seen him do it and we've seen him be successful while doing it. So I'm not, I'm not upset. Upset definitely isn't the word I would use. It's just, like you said, it's always curious to me when teams pick their guy before they do the search. That that that's really it. It's like when the Mets picked a GM. Never mind. Um, let's go to uh, the, Ryan. The no, worst part no, about that no, is they did do no. a search. We're, we're going to get into it, but all I'm saying is they did do a search. High and Bloom was sitting right fucking there. Yeah. He told them what they wanted. They, what we'll do it later. We're yep. going to do it later because I'll go. I, I need 20 minutes. The Rays are terrible. Um, let's go to. Uh, Rykov has signed his entry-level deal with the New York Rangers. A little surprising. Actually, yes, especially because when we traded for him, one of the reasons we got him for the price we did was because it was conventional wisdom that he would not come over from the KHL. Surprise. Here he is. So we now have, like, an insane logjam at defense. I think you tweeted today it's 12 different players. Which No, it's it's 12. So you you think of it like this, right? The New York Rangers have six starting spots on the NHL roster. Then they have six starting spots on Hartford's roster. And then when you account for the seventh man that eventually, a.k.a. Freddie Clayson in New York, it's really 13 spots that you have guaranteed. The Rangers right now have 16 defensemen that they need to try and fit into those 13 spots. And that's not a bad thing to have. No, And it's also important to note that of the 16, it's not like all 16 of them are good because we're still talking about Neil Pionk in that group. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a log jam and it's not a bad problem to have. It, it, when you go into an off season, there's nothing wrong with having too many cheap assets at your disposal. Does feel like Pionk is gone all of a sudden. I don't know about, I don't know about that. Or Shattenkirk is getting traded. One of those feel true and inevitable. I, I think it's the Shattenkirk one. That is so weird it, still. I, 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 I don't like it. It doesn't sit well with me. I think it's uh it's it's looking at your assets and not properly evaluating those assets. But the New York Rangers have proven over the last two, three years that if they have one clear deficiency, it's their ability to identify value on defense. Um, so, I, I, again, I'm not – and this is another thing that I have to try and thread the needle with, just like with John Davidson. There are plenty of Kevin Shattenkirk trade scenarios I can get behind. I, I, I'm not saying the New York Rangers under no circumstance – should trade Kevin Shattenkirk. My only fear is with Kevin Shattenkirk, the New York Rangers are going to settle for about 35 cents on the dollar. And that to me is going to be frustrating and borderline criminal. Well, you know how I um, feel about losing value in trades. I mean, yeah, it's, you don't like it. It's like you, an absolute like nightmare to do something like that. Uh, especially, yeah. especially the, the Neil after Pionk, go on. The Neil Pionk stuff though, that just kind of feels like we've never seen anyone close to the team say a bad thing about Pionk? Like ever. Most of it is 
Yeah, most of the Neil Pionk or people now thinking Neil Pionk might not be a New York Ranger next year. That kind of feels like an echo chamber we've all created for ourselves. It's we've kind of wishful thinking, it isn't other. it? Like we're trying to make it yeah, happen. Yeah, we, yeah, we've all said it to each other so much that now we're we're starting to trick ourselves that we actually heard it somewhere else when really we we started it. I would love to live in a world where Neil Pionk is traded for a third or fourth round pick. I don't need much for him. Uh, I just it's hard for me to sit back and say the New York Rangers are done with Neil Pionk when you consider how many opportunities they gave him last year, the amount of responsibility they gave him last year, the amount of ice time they gave him last year, the people they had a partner paired with defensively last year, the people he got more ice time over then. I just think, I think Neil Pionk survives this. I don't know how, I don't really want it to happen. I just, I, I'm yet to really see anything from the New York Rangers that signals they feel the same way about Neil Pionk that you and I feel. I don't think this leads to someone getting bought out, though, either, just to be clear. I don't, I don't think um, Stahl or Brendan Smith get bought out just yet. Smith is the only one in my mind. I don't think they value Stahl's leadership. I don't know how many times they have to say that. And when you juxtapose that next to what happened with Dan Girardi, the difference is Stahl, he didn't excel, but there was a successful role for Mark Stahl in the New York Rangers defense. It's very minimal. It's not what you want to be paying $5.7 million to, but Dan Girardi just straight up didn't have it anymore. I think the New York Rangers feel that Stahl, there's something there on top of the leadership. So I'd be legit stunned if Mark Stahl wasn't a New York Ranger next year. But um, with Brendan Smith, it would free up, uh, I believe the cap-friendly buyout calculator puts him at, Um, buying him out gives you around 3.3 extra million dollars towards the salary cap. And the thing we have to remember, and I I did this exercise just as a complete pie in the sky, not saying I want Eric Carlson on the Rangers, but say the Rangers want Panarin and Carlson and re-sign all the restricted free agents. We're talking about a team that needs about $27 million in cap space. A lot of cash. And right now they only have about 19. So you have to find millions somewhere. And I still think that the two guys most likely to get bought out this offseason, Brendan Smith, because it frees up about 3.3, and Ryan Strom, because the Rangers straight up won't have to pay him. And there's value in just not having to pay again. The Strom thing you so, mentioned before, it hurts me. It really does. I think Ryan Strom is a great asset. I don't think they'll be able – they might be able to move him, but I don't I don't think so. I think uh, – I, I, I think great is a little bit of a exaggeration. I think he's a solid third or fourth line forward. But I just, like like I am with my thoughts about Jimmy VC. I think being a solid third or fourth line forward just, it doesn't have a lot of value on the trade market. I think Strom is an upper echelon guy, my opinion, only because of the way he played the rest of the year. Of course, he was really not terrible before the trade. I mean, he really was terrible before the trade, rather. And then coming over here. I just... I, I'll keep bringing up the shooting percentage with Ryan Strome because it's it's unsustainable. Now, it's not a bad thing that it happened because if the Rangers are a smart team, they can convince a team maybe not as smart as them, and trust me, there are plenty, that it is sustainable with Ryan Strome when we all know Ryan Strome's not going to shoot 22% next year. It's just not going to happen. Nobody shoot like Wayne Gretzky doesn't shoot 22%. Alex Ovechkin doesn't shoot 22%. So it just won't happen again. 
at the same time, realizing that it won't happen again and that this year was a uh, a high-end offensive season for a guy like Ryan Strom at this point in his career, I just think that's important to remember in your own. So if, if I'm expecting regression from what he is, I don't know. I just I, I think if that frees up more than $2 million for you to go do something else that you really want to do, if if Ryan Strom being on the roster next year is the difference between Pavel Buchnevich getting a long-term deal or not getting a long-term deal, is Ryan Strom really going to be the guy that stops you from offering that contract? No, not at all. I mean, I'd get rid of Ryan Strom for that case, of course. I, I think you're right. I think Strom is gone. Uh, it's just hard to deal with because I do like him as a player and I would like to keep him on, but I just don't think there's a way it happens, especially with the money attached to who he is now. And that's just yeah, it. And we're, we're, just to focus back a little bit towards the defensive log jam, that's not, the Rangers actually have a lot of bodies right now. In terms of, if the Rangers didn't want to make a single move this offseason, they have a full roster already. There aren't really any quote-unquote holes on this team because if the Rangers just wanted to try to continue to build their young players, they could easily just go into next season with the exact roster that they have. And they can just let it grow for another year. And then in the 2020-2021 season, decide that this is the time to make all the big moves. At the same time, it, it, we know the Rangers aren't viewing this way anymore. To them, it's not that the rebuild is over. It's just now they need to add the higher priced pieces in order to continue the rebuild. And again, the Rangers are not planning on being bad next year. The New York Rangers do not have any intention to pick in the top 10 in next year's draft. I don't think we've seen anything to signal anything besides that. This team expects to be in or around the playoffs next year. And obviously there's a lot of work to do in order for them to get there. But from what we are hearing from insiders, from what we're hearing from management, this team has no interest in being a top seven pick next year, a top 10 pick next year. They don't even want to see, if the Rangers see the lottery, it's because they've made a trade this year with a team or they got the Stars pick and the Stars have created. If Panarin I, doesn't sign with the Rangers, it wouldn't be so bad to see one more top 10 pick. I'm just throwing no, it there. but you and I are 100% on the same page with that. I think you and I are very much both team Panarin or nobody. If the Rangers don't get Panarin, Guys, roll we, it over for We you. cannot sign Eric Carlson. And I know I, there were some rumors this week that Eric Carlson has been linked to the Rangers or the Tampa Bay Lightning. Boy, what a life, by the way. It's like, I'll go to the best team in the league or I'll go to New York City. Cool. Um, I just can't have that happening. I, I like Eric Carlson. I can only do a three-year deal. I'm not doing seven. That's insane. It's not happening. That's a miserable contract the, the moment you sign it. I'm so aware of how good he is. But I'm so aware of how injured and how many miles he has in his body, too. And for a young rebuilding team, that's not what I want to happen. I think that's a, a very clear. I don't want. I don't want to sign anyone else either. Like I consider Duchesne, like that maybe. But like other than that, I really can't tell you anyone else I would want to get. Like, would you want Skinner? No. Oh no. I I couldn't be more out on Skinner. Same. I'm Jeff out. Skinner to me is a really good second banana. But if you and this isn't to knock Mika Zibanejad, but Jeff Skinner doesn't make Mika Zibanejad's line better, right? Jeff Skinner is a phenomenal passenger. If you have a Jack Eichel for him to play with, he's going to be good at that. Uh, I don't think Jeff Skinner is a guy you invest eight, eight and a half million dollars into 
and expect him to take your team to the next level. Jeff Skinner will take your team to whatever level that team was already going to be at. He is, he is not the guy. I mean, simply put, look at the two teams he's most recently played for. Carolina Hurricanes sure didn't have a problem playing without Jeff Skinner. And the Buffalo Sabres sure weren't better playing with Jeff Skinner. So it's just, no, I, I could not be more out. On, if the Rangers sign Jeff Skinner, Ryan, I will be legit angry. I'll be because pissed. that is going to be a contract, and that's going to be about $50 million that they don't need to invest in him. If it's Panarin or Bust for me, I just want either him yeah. or that's it. And last week I said on this show, I had a bad feeling about Panarin. I had no reason. Seriously, I had no insider information. This week it seems like I have an actual bad reason to feel about Panarin. I, I'm still not that worried at all. Uh, yeah, I, I get, but again, for me, and I, I do this bit with Aaron, Aaron Port's line, so I, I do it in front of people that actually know things. I just can't wrap my mind around someone well, yeah, well, being Sunrise at the height of their powers and wanting to play in Sunrise, Florida. So let's, let's wait. We'll talk about Panarin with Portsline. That's coming up. Uh, last thing before we get to the many five-star questions well, of the week. What's up? Well, b- before before that, I just the last important point about Carlson. Mm-hmm. Um, Carlson perfectly healthy, of course, will make any team better. I'm not but saying that th- he wouldn't, by the way. I want right. to make that super right. clear. But we know, we, know two th- we know two things. He's not going to stay healthy, and it's not his fault that he can't stay healthy. His body's betraying him. It happens to athletes. Uh, and two, again, I before the Rangers can add defensive pieces, I think we need to see where they plan on trimming some of their defensive pieces. If the Rangers trade Shattenkirk, if the Rangers don't offer Pionk a contract, and if the Rangers buy out Smith, then there's a, there's a whole lot of wiggle room to play in there. Like, yes, it's only three of the possible 16 pieces the New York Rangers are playing with this offseason, but that's a very important three. So it's if the Rangers plan on keeping Shattenkirk, keeping Smith, keeping Stahl, they can't just pay Carlson. The goal that wouldn't make sense. The goal of this rebuild is to win a Stanley Cup. Or to win multiple Stanley Cups. I just can't see a scenario where Eric Carlson is the player that puts you over the top considering the rest of the team's age. I just don't see that. Uh so I'm I'm very like I, I think Panarin could be very Good, obviously, excellent, amazing for the next six years of a, of a maybe seven or in, considering if there's a trade eight year contract. Whereas I think Carlson by year three, you're like, oh fuck, we're screwed, we're totally screwed here. Um, I think the only only way you can convince me to sign Carlson is if that number drops to such a low point where we're talking like he's signing for what Shattenkirk signed, and then and then I'd be like, yeah, why am I not taking this chance? Yeah, well, Shattenkirk would talk. If he signs, if he signs for a number, if he signs for Shattenkirk's number, even with the injuries, you can trade him at any point. I just think if you get to a point where it's eight million dollars or more, you're just no. At some point, but, other teams are going to be. But like, also, no, he, no, he deserves it. So it's not like he doesn't deserve the money. Yeah. Oh no. And you know me. I'm 100. Get always your play money. Get paid. get paid. Just not you guys here. earned it. Don't don't listen to me when it comes to what you should and should not do. All right, last uh, last there thing. There is a scenario. Okay. Yeah, go go go. No, I was gonna say last thing before we go to the five star questions because we got five of them. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I know it's a popular segment now. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Do you do you want to finish that point on Carlson? Yeah, just it was a reminder that if his number will get to a point where it's too good to pass up, like it exists. It. I just 
I have a hard time believing if he hits the open market. We live in a world where James Neal got north of $6 million and the Calgary Flames couldn't play him in the playoffs. So it's it's not like there won't be an NHL team that offers Eric Carlson a ridiculous contract. Our only hope is that it's not the New York Rangers. That's what we're hoping. All right, uh, before we get to the five-star questions, let's do, talk about Mika Zavinadad's new single. You know what? Just wish he would work on his game in the offseason. That's all. Oh, uh, don't do that. Okay, sorry. It's like, I su- Mika, I support It's an okay song. You drop those ones and twos all the time. It's an all right song. Um, I... I haven't listened to it. It's okay. But I don't listen to music in my defense. You know what song I listened to a lot this week because it got stuck in my head? Old Town Road? No, Gloria, because they won't stop talking about it in the playoffs. So I just listened to it like 20 times this week. I listened to a podcast on Taco Bell today, and I was going to cook like a healthy meal, and then I stopped at Taco Bell, bought $14 worth of it, and shoved it all in my face and ate it before I got to my driveway. I'm disgusting. All right. Now, do you, uh, did, you hear, did you hear they're opening a Taco Bell boutique hotel in California? Okay, so in Vegas, they had a... Uh, Taco Bell can- Cantina where they serve alcoholic drinks with Taco Bell. It's like, what? Can we have that Would everywhere? You... <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you're not going to stay in the California Taco Bell Continental Hotel. I just feel like that's a, a really... If you're hanging out with your friends and you are partaking in some particular substances and someone's like, hey man, we're in California. Do you want to stay in the Taco Bell Hotel? How do you say no? That's my question. Who's like, nah, I don't think so. Sounds like a good plug for a hotel tonight. Yeah, speaking of which, our new sponsor. Nope, we don't have one. Uh, (laughs) All right. Uh, All right, new segment. And by new segment, I mean totally old segment. Uh, Five-star questions. We have five of them. If you want to leave your five-star question, go to iTunes today. Leave a comment on our uh, page. Leave five stars and leave the question. Okay, here we go. This first one is from this guy again. 2846299 dollar sign. Do you think that's his phone number? Oh, shit. Or her phone number? Her phone number. It says, love you guys. Uh... This is an interesting question. Points projections for Howden, Leas, and Heedle. I think we can kind of round these or, or make these round, right? I, I believe Heedle uh, should be like a 40-point player. Is that unrealistic? Are we talking just next year? Yeah, I think next year. He doesn't specify or she doesn't specify, but. Yeah, I would say, so the easiest way to do this isn't how many points I think they'll get. It's more of if they don't get X amount of points, I'll be disappointed. Uh, if Heedle's not a 35-point player next year, I'm thoroughly disappointed. Same. If Howden isn't a 25-point player, that's where I'm at. Yeah, if if Howden isn't like a 25-point player, I'm pretty disappointed. The, and the honestly, bar is with low. Anderson, yeah, because I'm not sure he's making it. And this isn't, again, this isn't a knock on him. I just, if the Rangers make all these crazy moves, I'm not sure what role Leas Anderson is playing on the New York Rangers next year. Nor am I sure that Leas Anderson is a New York Ranger next year. Oh, boy, that's something. Is there because as low as his value is, I still think he's the asset you can trade that gets you something in return. Something like if you put Anderson with Kevin Shattenkirk and you don't get a meaningful NHL piece back, that feels like a terrible trade. It is terrible. Uh, all I right. Just, I just think it's I, possible. I, the that's Anderson all. thing is so interesting and intriguing. Um, next question. Things that are overrated by your number two fan. Number one was taken. Hey guys, this is an, uh, an often commenter, by the way. Hey guys, on my AP English and language composition exam, way to brag in AP. Nice job. One of the essays was about things that are overrated. So naturally I wrote Bryce Harper is overrated because I'm such a fan of the show. Hopefully I get a five. <laughs> oh, a five on the AP test. Yeah. I would, uh, I was under the influence of alcohol this weekend, which is surprising. What? You, know? you huh? Um, and 
we were so Bryce Harper, of course, came up in conversation as he's one to do. And I think someone accidentally said price chopper instead of Bryce Harper. Price chopper is and good. And that got though. us that got us into a deep debate. What do you think is the more valuable franchise? Bryce Harper or Price Chopper? Ooh. I think that's closer than it should be. Is that wrong? Because we're doing we're doing we're doing net, right? With yeah. Price Chopper. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Price Chopper costs money to run. Whereas Bryce Harper is basically just whatever his expensive cost of living is. So my my argument was it's price chopper because if it even okay. if the company goes belly up, yep. that's still real estate that they have. So I did some Googling. Go- real I did estate some Googling. will always have value. I did some Googling. Okay. Their price rev- chopper is a couple billion dollars. Y- yep. It's 3.4 billion, but their net income in 2013 <laughs> was 18.3. So you're really not that far off. $18.3 million? That's what it says, net income. I was like, well, that's not enough. Price Chopper, what are you doing? All right, uh, this is because... Yeah, I feel like they're mismanaging some assets. Yo, Price Chopper, I know their owners actually live up here in the Capital District. Uh, give me a call. I feel like we could be doing something different. I feel like there's a lot of companies. I tweeted at uh, at the Dyson Air- Airblade company this weekend <laughs> see if they wanted to sponsor us because I really enjoy Dyson Airblade. All right. Um, oh, that's interesting. I know. I'm going to tweet it tomorrow. Five-star question by FBI 2.0. Again! Another one by FBI 2.0. Another great episode. One comment, one question. Comment. Have you guys ever think about doing a group event for the Yankees versus Mets games? The Yankees, alcohol, no. the Mets losing in dramatic fashion? No. Uh, uh I think because of the price point for those games are really high, I don't think we would do a meetup for those games, but we might do a baseball meetup. Who knows? Nor would I ever put myself in that situation. You know, you want to know the last person I want to watch a Met-Yankee game with? A Yankee fan. I don't want it. I'm already going to be miserable. I don't need you to rub your <laughs> happiness in my face. <laughs> the scrappy Yankees underdogs. Um, Fuck yourself. Keep going. <laughs> Question. Revisiting the Bra- the Brendan Smith experiment, are there any NYR forwards you can see transitioning to defense or NYR d- defensemen you can see transitioning to forwards? Good question. Um, I feel like I feel like we can't work. There's, I will say this. Neil Pionk if, not if, being a forward is a crime. That's where I'll go. Well, because we know he's not a defenseman, so it's we right. have to try something else, right? Uh, I think if for some reason, like half the defensive core – came down with an injury. I feel like Jesper Faust wouldn't be the reason the New York Rangers lose a game because he's playing defense. Exactly. At the same time, I don't want Jesper Faust like playing a defensive role. Um, he could do it though. I do think it's fun. I, I just think it's funny. I, I don't know if I think it's funny. I just, it's interesting to me that it's so much easier to say, oh, well, X defenseman could definitely be a forward because we know he's not a defenseman. But there's no like, like Jimmy Vesey, who I don't think is a good forward, I also don't think would make a good defenseman. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think he would either. I think Jesper could really do a great job. And by great job, I mean great job for a person who doesn't play defense. It's like when a, yeah. when a pitcher if, comes up and, and is not a pitcher and strikes out two, you're like, oh, good job. Same thing with Jesper. If you're playing in the playoffs and three defensemen go down with broken clavicles or whatever, and you need a guy to slide in to play second pairing minutes with, just a healthy body. If there's one guy in the Rangers, I'd feel confident saying they could do that. It's Jesper Fast. Next question. Capo Caco jersey by John Marcus. Jonathan from Long Island. He loves the podcast. I plan on buying an off- the authentic Caco jersey once he's drafted. Are you both going to buy one or are you not jersey buyers? Thanks. I'm not a jersey buyer anymore. I'm not. I, I, don't, know if I've, I don't know if I've grown out of it. So the last jersey I bought was Brady Shea. Um, and that's fine. I have no regrets with it. I like that jersey. I have a Bush Savage jersey. That was given when to me I was, as a gift. Yeah, when I was in high school and college, 
um, like I would, I would say 67% of my wardrobe were like Met jerseys. That's surprising. And I had about, no way. Should be, should not be. But I also had like five authentic jerseys. And then I just, I don't know. I, I want, I'm curious how old uh, Jonathan from Long Island is. But for me, like I just hit a, probably around 25, I hit a point in my life where it's like, I could be spending this money on other things that would bring me more joy than the jersey. That all being said, your boy will be getting a Capital Catholic jersey like a stat, like immediately. Just I, I know, I know, I know you will. I, I still will not. I will be. It's like it's a lock. Um, all right, last one. Capital Caco is too good. By now, this person has commented before, but you know, like when you sent an emoji and it just comes over as a box, like on your Android phone or iPhone, whichever. Yes. Um, it's just two boxes, so it's by emoji emoji. I don't know what the emojis are. Okay. But they're emoji. emoji. I like emoji emojis. Same. Uh, I'm imagining them as middle fingers, but go on. Based on his world championship performance, what are the chances our boy Capocaco goes first? We talked about this a little bit last week. I just don't see. Yeah. I, I know how crazy good he's been. I It gets me really excited. I know the Devils have a hard choice to make. I think there is a less than 1% chance he goes first. I I think... Paco's stock may have risen two percent. I I think I think his is a little awareness. Low. I think his awareness in the hockey Twitter world is higher now than it was before. But I think talent evaluators at this point they're not seeing anything new with Capocaco. We're most people are seeing Capocaco for the first time, and they're wowed by it. But talent, talent evaluators, I'm fairly certain this is what they were expecting. And quite honestly, I think what Jack Hughes is doing is what they what they expected too. Kapokako is playing top-line minutes for a Finland team that doesn't have a single NHL player, whereas Jack Hughes is playing third-line minutes surrounded by NHLers, and he's not just holding his own. He's playing pretty well. So I, I think – I just think you have to look at the whole picture, and I don't think, I don't think it's more likely the New Jersey Devils are going to take Cackle number one overall because he put up, what six goals in his first three games? He's a monster. Yeah, he's, he's a been, monster. He's been, great. he's been great. He's been fun to watch. Come on, come on. I, I think talent evaluators. <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> the New Jersey Devils are still taking Jack Hughes. Yeah, I'd they be are stunned if they don't. For sure. Uh, let's go talk to Aaron Portsline about John Davidson and Artemi Panarin possibly not being a Ranger, which is a super fun time. And then we're going to come back. I'm going to talk to Greg about some team in New York and that plays baseball. And then we're also going to do some Game of Thrones talk before we do our 10-minute The Long Island Ranger. Ducks. We're talking about the Long Island Ducks. Absolutely. See how the Long Island Ducks Again, if you easy. want to leave a five-star review, go to iTunes, open up, type in New York Rangers. The first result is Blue Shirts Breakaway, not to brag. And uh, then you go ahead, click us, and then from there, leave a five-star question and review. We will read it on the show next week. Thank you so much for all your questions. This segment has become a lot more loaded of recently. Let's transition over. Transition. Hey, we're back with our recurring guest. We have Aaron Portsline of The Athletic. He covers the Columbus Blue Jackets, who somehow have a lot in common with the New York Rangers. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thank you. Uh, it's good to have you back, but also at the same time, uh, we have a lot happening. I don't even know where I want to start, but I guess the best place to start is now John Davidson is now the new New York Rangers president. Uh, was that a surprise to anyone in the organization? Uh, absolutely not. Um, I do think it was a harder decision maybe than people realize because I do think John Davidson had, had come to 
uh, really appreciate his life in Columbus, but there is an emotional tie to New York, certainly as a player, as a broadcaster, he'd been there, loves the city, loves the organization, loves the sweater. Um, he, he has said it's the only job he would have left for. I believe that to be true. Uh, I think they, they, they most likely made an offer to him that he simply uh, could not refuse. So uh, I, I think, you know, for, for a better part of a couple of weeks left in the season with the playoffs still going on, I think there was, there was a lot of speculation that, that that's where this was going. Uh, and I wrote a piece uh, today that, that shortly after the season was over, when Yarmo Kekalainen uh, put together a hockey operations meeting to start talking about the offseason. Talk about awkward. He had to say to John Davidson, um, I have to ask you nicely not to not to attend this meeting because I think everybody thought at that point he was headed uh, to New York. So at that point they became enemy secrets. So no, I don't think I don't think there was a ton of surprise in Columbus that it came to this. I do I do want to touch on the Yarmo John Davidson relationship in a little bit, but before we get there, I think Ranger fans, there's obviously a nostalgia factor with John Davidson that I think is going to win the day for most fans. But there's another section of the fan base that is straight up just curious about what kind of impact and influence John Davidson can have. He, he's well accomplished. He's done this with the Blues and the Blue Jackets. What kind of managerial president should we expect out of John Davidson? What What's the type of role that he played in Columbus? Well, I, I think it. Um, I, th- I think it bears mention that when he took over the Blues, they were the worst team in the league coming off that season. The Blue Jackets, when he took over, were coming off the worst record in the league. Uh, and I don't think the Blue Jackets were should. There's no way they should have been that awful if you look at the roster of that team. But there was a lot of mess in Columbus that needed to be cleaned up. So he he stepped into salvage operations. Really, he's not doing that in New York. Uh, I think the the rebuild, the retool, however you want to put it, is sort of underway. It's sort of without him. There are very capable people there. I don't think there's a there's not a need to clean up an oil spiller to change the culture there. It, it, it there's good things fostered there. He is not a heavy-handed boss and wasn't even in those situations in St. Louis. He hired really good people underneath him, and he delegated authority, and he got the hell out of the way. Um, Yarmo Kekalainen, he took a chance on Yarmo Kekalainen, um, who had all the criteria, but no one had hired a European GM before, still hadn't. And yet when he gave Yarmo the job, he was not always leaning over his shoulder. He was not always tinkering. He, he exists to support his GM. And I think we all know the situation in New York. Uh, Dolan can be a difficult guy. And, and a big part of Glenn Sather's job was to be a buffer, to keep Dolan away from uh, Jeff Gordon. And I, and I think that's going to be John Davidson's job. And part if, if it were anybody else, it'd be a really hard job. But part of John Davidson and, and Rangers fans would know this. He has such a presence about him. He has such, he has that great voice. It's the voice of Moses. And the, <laughs> when he says something, people believe it. Now, I don't think he needs a sales pitch. 
he doesn't have to sales pitch to the Rangers fans like he did to Columbus and the Blues fans saying it's going to be okay. Uh, it's good things can happen here. Everybody's settled down. He doesn't have to do that in New York. But I think he'll command respect and he'll be able to keep Dolan off of Gordon. But I, I think the if we know anything about him, it's that he lets people do their job. He's not a tinker. He's a sounding board. He's a, a buffer. He can steer conversations and inform them. But he's not a he's not a guy that works behind people's backs in any way. He gets out of the way. Yeah. I the two of the things I love most about John Davidson in the recent past is you mentioned we I mean we've brought up his name a bunch now. The fact that he one hired Yarmo Kekalein, in which we hear about the NHL Boys Club, 200 hockey men all the time. So the fact that he went off the beaten path to find the GM of his choice, yeah. I I like that. And then two you don't have to look any further than the Blue Jackets. If they wanted to make the super easy decision this year, they just, they sell Panarin and Bobrovsky to the highest bidder. They say it's time to restart, reset the clock. Let's try this again in two, three, four years, however long it takes to build the next sustained winner. Instead, it it was one of Yarmo's or Davidson's idea. It could have been both their ideas, but the fact that Davidson was willing to sign off on, no, no, screw this. We're going for it. We're going to push all our chips in. This is our best shot. Let's take it now. I think that is encouraging because, for lack of a better term, most front offices, and this is not just the hockey thing, but most professional front offices in North American big four sports, nobody thinks that way anymore. So it was refreshing just to see a team actually take their shot. Yeah, I think a lot of – I think – a lot of times GMs get into cover your ass mode. Well, do you uh, think because he was leaving, it wasn't a cover your ass mode? He was like, well, I'm leaving anyway, so we should go all in. No, because I don't know that he knew he was leaving in late February. Got it. Um, I, I think the Blue Jackets decision to do what they did was as much about pride as anything else. And frankly, they put together a really good team. They, they it was It was a fair... Um, it's, it's a fair dialogue, but they were tired of this endless, the poor blue jackets. Oh, the poor blue jackets. They're going to lose this great goalie and they're going to lose this great forward. And there's nothing they can do about it. All right. Who are they going to trade them to? And who are they going to make better at the trade deadline? And I just, I think they wanted to turn that conversation around and be seen as something different in the league. And I don't know if they achieved that or not when in the first round, against Tampa Bay and having a pretty good series against Boston who may end up winning the cup. I don't know if they changed that. I think they earned the respect of a lot of people around the league. I think they earned the respect of, of Matt Duchesne for sure. Now, rather that that leads to him signing and staying in Columbus. We'll see. I just think they got really pissed off and offended, frankly, at the narrative that here are these two great players and, and all anybody talks about it, and all anybody should have talked about because it, it was the biggest story of the year, is that those guys won out. And they were like, hell with it. Let's have people talk about the Blue Jackets in a much different way and see us as a threat. This is them talking. Um, and, and going for it. Let's go for it. Screw it. And, and I do believe it, it. It was hilarious to me at the trade deadline to hear Yarmo Kekalein in this GM who – is a scout first, like that is his background, 
And this team has always preached draft picks and draft picks and process and all that stuff. To see him at the at the dais on on uh, trade deadline day saying, ah, hell with draft picks. Who needs them? They take five years anyways. And you're like, <laughs> what? Who is this? Um, but it, they do. They have a very high opinion of some prospects that are really close to the NHL. And and I'm I'm of the belief. I think I think they've got a guy that can replace Bobrovsky. I think they can be okay without Panarin. I think if Duchesne leaves, it's a it's a real kick in the balls. Uh, but I think they're going to be a lot more competitive next year and in the future than people probably realize. It's, uh, it's not bad when you still have Seth Jones, Cam Atkinson, yeah, uh, Wierenski. People forget that the the fact that the Blue Jackets were in a position where they had to make a decision whether to buy or sell is the more surprising thing than the fact that they actually bought in because that that was a super talented roster from the jump and. For some reason, yeah. they were just under, underperforming for two thirds of the season. Yeah, they 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 it was a it was a exhausting regular season for those guys. Um, just I mean, there's so much crap going on behind the scenes with Bobrovsky with Panarin. Just it was such a it, it was such labor just to get through all of it. I mean, yeah, I. I've never, and I do think as a team they underperformed talent wise, but and people will put that on John Tortorella, of course. I think Tortorella did one of his better jobs in, in that I've seen certainly here, just keeping everything together and to keep it from imploding, um, just keeping that thing on the tracks and giving them a chance. But that's a much better team than the eighth seed in the East. Last time we'll, we'll obviously we'll obviously get into Panarin, but I guess just to put a bow on Davidson and Kekalainen, do you think there's any what was was beating the Lightning enough to justify the trade deadline in their mind? Do you think do you think they met a minimum requirement to be like this was worth it? Yeah, I mean they've been asked that question, and Yarmo has said repeatedly that he'd do it again. Um. And I'll take him at his word. I, I, you know, a GM's not going to say we really screwed that up. So I'm not sure if that's if you can get an honest answer. Uh, I think a GM's got to justify it in his in his mind. I mean, my God, they didn't clinch a playoff spot till Game 81 against the Rangers, right? You're welcome. <laughs> um, right. So I mean, at, at some point, it was like, oh my God, like they have to get in first, and you sort of reset the uh, the you reset the goal almost okay now they got in now oh now they gotta play tampa well that you know that ain't gonna happen and then they beat the best team in the league all year sweep yeah sweep <laughs> I, I think the people the fans here are like hell yeah it was worth it but and nothing against the fans they're i mean none of us exist if not for them right but they want you to go for it every year every year and the sort of the players in the room go for it they don't want to hear about it you know, draft pick next year. Screw that. Columbus has had lots of draft picks next year and lots of next years. Go for it. And I think the people here, I think if you took a poll and I may do it on Twitter tonight, just to be goofy. um, I think overwhelmingly people would say it was worth it. Speaking of that game versus the Rangers, I happened to be at it and I was screaming at Artemi Panarin, future Ranger. Last time you were here. Oh God. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Last time you were here, you said he might. You reported or, or said he might be interested in being a New York Ranger. Who knows? All of the yeah. recent reports have been 
there might be a sign and trade with Florida concerning Panarin and maybe Bobrovsky. What have you heard about that, if anything? Well, it's definitely it's it's out there. I mean, it's it's a likely it's a possible scenario, we should say. Um, you know, these have these have not happened in the NHL because it wasn't until I think it was 2013 when it became such that the team the team that had the player could sign him to an eight year deal and everybody else could only sign him to seven. So, so there is, there is something that is an element of this that benefits Bobrovsky or benefits Panarin to sign with the blue jacket. So that's what benefits them. The, the, what it does if you're Florida is it guarantees that you get the player. So the blue jackets sign him. The player gets eight years instead of seven, which they can only get elsewhere, which mm-hmm. is all they can get if they sign elsewhere. And Florida doesn't have to worry about Artemi Panarin being courted by the New York Rangers because, and if I'm the Panthers, I don't want him even talking to the Rangers. Now, I don't know if eight years makes that big a difference to Panarin or not. Um, if he wants that eight and it's, it could be for him, it could be an extra 10, $11 million. Um, so then the Blue Jackets would be able to recoup something, one presumes, a draft pick by signing a player and delivering them to Florida. Now, <laughs> I'm an asshole sometimes. Yep, us too. And I'm thinking if I'm the Blue Jackets and I'm Yarmo Kekalainen, you can't do this. But it would be freaking hilarious to sign Panarin eight years $10 million and then, <laughs> and then say, yeah, screw it. We're not trading you to Florida. <laughs> and you got no, you got nowhere else you can go, son, unless you want to go back to the KHL. It's either play here or anywhere. So if you want to play, right. Right. Um, or just do it for an hour and make him sweat and then trade him to Florida. <laughs> um, but so that, that's the scenario. And I don't think that works with the Rangers. Uh, maybe the Rangers would have interest in a sign and trade if the player, if Panarin or Bobrovsky has interest in an eighth year. Now, if you're Bobrovsky, an eighth year is a lot more important to you than if, than if you're Panarin because um, it takes you to 39. And Panarin would be 35 if he signs eight years. Um, but so it's out there. It's a possibility. I, a lot has to happen. A lot has to come together. If both of these players truly are earmarked to Florida, then that that maybe becomes a little harder to sell again, unless one of the, the less the players are obsessed with getting an eighth year. Yeah, the, there is some track record for simply just trading a player's rights. I know the Rangers did it with Keith Yandel before he signed with Florida. They they the Panthers gave him, I think, a sixth round pick. Yeah, it was a sixth. just to be able to negotiate with him sooner. So, I, I mean, we talk about recouping draft picks. I don't think there's a scenario where the Blue Jackets could ever recoup a first just to get the negotiating rights for Panarin. But you can create a little bit of a bidding war between the Rangers and the Panthers, and the Rangers have enough draft picks. I'm sure if the Rangers wanted to sacrifice their own third-round draft pick, they'd probably be willing to do it if it meant having an extra week to talk to Panarin before free agency started. Yeah, now there is the window there before July 1st now that didn't exist previously. So players, I think it's... 72 hours after the draft? Is yeah, that a, I think that's right. Three or four-day window in there where players can talk to teams. Uh, but look, let you know, 
I, I this isn't something this isn't something that that can be proven because it's not um, it's not traceable. Certainly, guys don't make notes of this. Nobody talks about it. I think you're I think you would be naive to assume that Florida doesn't know what Panarin's next contract would need to be. That the Rangers don't have an idea of what the ballpark is. Um, maybe I'm cynical. I, I think those conversations probably happen. I happen to agree I just, with you. I, I, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure fans feel pretty certain it's going to take a max year's $11 million at least just to get into the room with Panarin. And once you get above $11 million, it's not like there's a whole lot more room to go up. Right. I I'd, I'd be legitimately stunned if Panarin signed for less than $11 million a year. Like, that would be a big surprise for me. Yeah, if it's seven years, I would, I would agree with you. If it's eight, I think that maybe, maybe gives you some flexibility. But there, there's going to be a bidding war for him. Did you hear anything that uh, might pertain to Quenville signing in Florida, in, uh, kind of having influence over Panarin? Um. Well, I heard it as much for Panarin as Bobrovsky mm. that this was all part of a grand plan that the Panthers are not messing around anymore, and that maybe uh, Quenville uh, took the leap, the leap of faith that is required to take the coaching job with the Florida Panthers um, because he knew what was coming. Um, but you know, that's again that isn't confirmed either. But both players now have the same agent. Uh, as of last February or so, they're both with Paul Theophanis. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't think it will surprise anybody if both of them end up in Florida. So, yeah, I just I can't I can't wrap my head around the fact that Artemi Panarin is going to play for the next eight years or seven years in Sunrise, Florida. I get that there's an allure of living in Miami, but nobody signs in New York to then live in Jersey City. Right. Or no one's no one lives in New York City to then go ply their trade in Jersey City. It just doesn't work. It, I, I refuse to believe as a person that's been to Sunrise, Florida. I refuse to believe that a star in a professional sporting league wants to call Sunrise home. It just it will not connect in my head. I refuse to believe it. Well, and it gets it gets back to the question. What what are you what do you cherish most? The light, the lifestyle or your job? Um, if I'm making millions of dollars, I guess it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other thing, too, and I've heard a lot of people in the in the game say this, like, how many days do you really – you can live wherever you want in the offseason. How many days during the season do you really have to celebrate you? Like, usually it's you're either practicing game, you're traveling, you're on the road. It's If you have an off day – the way that the game is played today, it's almost always purely a rest day. And these guys don't do a whole ton of a lot, and nor should they. Um, so, I, I mean, it, but you know what? The guy's an unrestricted free agent. If he wants to live near the ocean, that's, 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 that's one of the rules. You, now you can go where you want to go. Okay. Same with Bobrovsky. I do think – I think the Panthers are going to be a good team at some point. They have to be with the, with the talent that they have. They need a lot of help on the back end still. But it, it does say something to me. I think the Rangers are going to be good sooner than people realize. I think if Bobrovsky and Panarin stayed in Columbus, the Blue Jackets have a chance to be really good. It does say something to me. It does 
force me to question what motivates them if they want to live on a beach and play for the Panthers instead of playing for a team where you know what the situation is, know you're in a hockey market, and know you can win. Yeah, and, and the, the you- Metro the Metro's in a real weird state of flux now too, right? Because the Rangers and Devils theoretically are on the up, having the first two picks in the draft. The It seems like there's – I'm not saying the window's closing on the Penguins, but we can finally see the end of that tunnel a little bit, especially with the rumors involving Malkin and Kessel being out there. The Capitals, there's only so many years left in Ovechkin, that, of Ovechkin being Ovechkin. Uh, Elaine Vigneault's back, so that means the Flyers could be Total literally shit. anything. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, 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 the Islanders have a ton of their top players hitting the open market this offseason as well. It more, more than ever, it gunned to my head, I probably can't tell you what three teams will represent the Metropolitan Division next year. Yeah. I have an idea. I think yeah. the Capitals will be one of them, but outside of the Capitals, literally anything could happen. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it, it is uh, – I didn't think it was a great division, frankly, this year. was not. I mean, you saw the Islanders up there. So, And that team yeah. was expected to be truly terrible, uh, surpass yeah. all expectations, and yet still weren't one of the great teams. I mean, and the Hurricanes, yeah. as you saw. Crazy. And the one thing that occurs to me the longer I do this is that nobody knows what's going to happen. It seems like that happens in every sport every year. Like everyone knows like, oh, this team's a lock. And then six teams come out of nowhere. Right. And how ridiculous is the exercise of going through an NFL schedule right today? The dumbest. It's the dumbest <laughs> thing, but we love doing it so much. It's like. That's a win. That's a loss. That's a loss. And you're like, you have no idea what, A, what the team you're talking about is going to do. You have no idea what these other teams are going to do. Like it, the NFL is insane when it comes to parity. It's insane. Uh, Aaron, before we let you get out of here, I got to ask you a quick question. A friend told me to ask you uh, about what was that? I said, oh, boy. Oh, no, it's about Rick Nash (laughs) and if his jersey will ever be retired uh, by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Well, I don't have a definitive answer for you. Yes or no. I do think it will happen at some point. Um, I'm I'm of the belief that it should happen. Call me crazy. Uh, I know how it ended here. I know that there was a trade request at the end. Uh, I just I look around the league. I see some of the other jerseys that are the sweaters that are retired around this league, and I go, "Really, Ray Bork in Colorado? Like he was there for like a, year, a half a year, maybe a year and a half? Really, Colorado? Uh, I get it in Boston. Um, I think it's absolutely justified. I think if you paid attention to these Blue Jackets in the early years of this franchise, you realize the weight that that kid carried on his back." the way that he produced. Uh, He's now back in the fold with the organization. He's currently over in Slovakia scouting with Jarmo Kekalainen, and he's going to get a job in the front office in some capacity. Uh, It just feels to me like it's all pointing toward that, that ceremony at some point this year. I would think it happens against the Rangers in Nationwide Arena at some point. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, So... (laughs) Never, never forget that Wade Boggs once tried to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame as a Tampa Bay Devil Ring. So anything is <laughs> Hey, hey. All right. Um, Baron, thanks so much for joining us. Why don't you plug everything you do? Oh, well, you know. Uh, so right for The Athletic, we do a podcast called Front Nationwide. Uh, myself, uh, Allison Lucan, Tom Reed, 
So check the check us out on theathletic.com slash Columbus. And lots of John Davidson stuff up there right now if you're interested. Allison, another guest, a recurring guest of the Bushwitch Breakaway. And possibly, yeah, did we email The Athletic a million times about being a podcast for them? Yeah, we did. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> so maybe one day we'll be co-workers. Who knows? Thanks so much for coming on, Aaron. All right. Anytime, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, we're back. Porcelain, man. I know we say this about a lot of guests. We have so many good guests on the show, right? I don't want to pick favorites, but I feel like every time we come on, we get legitimate scoops and information that uh, we don't really get with a lot of different... We, we get scoops, but they're not related to the Rangers, but Portsline really gives us some good information. Yeah, I just... I always wonder when a guy like Aaron Portsline, who is Response to accomplished, us? respected... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing, Corey? Why, why is he like, I'm going to talk to these guys? I'm a nobody! You're Aaron Portsline! What are you doing? Yeah, it's fucking weird. Um... It's, but I'm so glad he comes on. That I mean, we we broke the Panera might be interested story with him to the Rangers earlier this year, and now I feel like we uh, we didn't break, but we got some really nice inside information on not only John Davidson but Panarin. All right. With all that being said, we're gonna end the uh, talking Rangers segment of the show. You got a, almost an hour worth of New York Ranger news on May 20th. I think that is a great accomplishment. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Orion Mead. I've gained a lot of followers this week. Look, I hit 1,000. Not to brag. Let's do it. Greg, on the other hand, is killing it on Twitter always at Bushwick's Break. We're going to talk about the Mets now. Uh, and then we're going to uh, talk about Game of Thrones for spoilers for the last time ever. Probably ever, to be honest with you. So Yeah, no, it's going to be ever because I'm probably not watching the spinoffs. Ah, we'll see. Um... All right, let's talk about the Mets. Let's, let's, you want to keep it short, I know. Uh, I, just to bring some stuff up. Boy, there's just some really funny, like, I know it's sad to you, but it's funny to me because I'm on the outside. The, sure. The Cespedes, fra- mul- multiple fractures in his ankle, and if they try to void the contract, Brody Van Wagenen, whatever his name is, uh, ben, ben Buren, whatever his fucking name is, BGG, uh, has to actually take back what he made off that contract is absolutely hilarious because he would be the one making that decision. And on top of that, getting swept by the worst team in baseball and now people mm-hmm. calling for Mickey Calloway's head out of like when, when I, on this podcast, a lot of phrases thrown at Mickey Calloway's first year and I get it. Um, but now all of a sudden Ken Rosenthal is just shitting all over him. It's been a really tough weekend for you. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, honestly, my my bigger Met rant, my anger with the Mets can be summarized in three words: "Fuck the Wilpons." Like it really gets that simple. I we've we're a Ranger podcast, so we've talked a fuckload about James Dolan in the past. We've talked with our brothers at the Knicks Wall. By the way, shout out to them for getting on MSG One Hundred and Fifty last week. Yeah, sweet. They're just fucking crushing the game, and I love to see it. Um, but the the four of us, all of them connected with them. We've talked about James Dolan and how it's frustrating sometimes to root for a James Dolan team because it it feels like he can't get out of their own way. I feel like we've defended James Dolan a good amount though, which is yeah, insane. And honestly, I would I I would I would commit murder to get James Dolan to be the owner of the New York Mets. Because no because matter what you say, all, like he spends money. He spends money, right? Like James Dolan's mistakes are he invests in the wrong things. At least he's investing. The Mets, it's just like. For some reason, the Mets need to prove to the league that they can win with one hand tied behind their back. There's no salary cap in baseball. You can spend literally as much money as you fucking want. And the Mets are like, ah, no, we're going to do it on a budget. We're going to break the wheel. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna really show you guys that you can do this on a budget. You don't need to spend a lot of money on players. We got this. No, you're just cheap fucking assholes who went broke because Bernie Madoff stole half your money. 
And, it's not my fault. And guess what, Greg? And uh, we said we'd talk about this later. If you wanted to do it on a budget, there is a team that does it on a budget in the best division in baseball. And that, well, not the best division, but one of the most top-heavy divisions in baseball, and that is the Rays, and that's where Bloom is from. And he would have... Yeah, let, Ryan he, Bloom, who yeah. was one of the three finalists for the Met job. I, you and I did many a podcast where I told you my greatest fear with the three finalists because it was fucking Doug Melvin, who I thought was just going to be fucking terrible. Probably still true. Ryan Bloom who by all accounts wanted to strip the Mets down and build from the ground up, which in hindsight, probably really fucking smart. Then you have Brody Van Wagenen, who was representing half of the New York Mets roster. And we thought to ourselves, well, maybe if anyone could convince the Wilpons to spend money, it's Van Wagenen because he's a former agent. And instead, Van Wagenen, we now know, the thing that's really sad, Ryan, is we now know Van Wagenen got the job because he honestly thought he could make the Mets a winner immediately. And the reason why High and Bloom didn't get the job is because he told the fucking truth to the Wilpons. <laughs> like, that's that, – it's that simple, right? It's true. Like he, it's, he's like, look, it, look what I really helped – that, that Look what I helped build down in Tampa Bay. Like, they're, they're, they pay, like, half of their salary to Charlie Morton. Like, that's it. That's like $18 million. They're like a $48 million team. It's unbelievable. And yet every single person that goes down there, what do they do? Hit or succeed. Or pitch really well. Or they have new strategies. It's just, as you know, I'm a Rays supporter. So it is just a whole different culture than what's going on at the Mets. Right. And, but it's also, it, the frustrating thing is, as much as, I, I can't defend Mickey Calloway anymore because I just, I don't think he, ha, he has original ideas. And that frustrates me. At the same time, this mess isn't his fault. He can't, he's not responsible for Robinson Cano not hitting. He's not responsible for Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard not pitching. He's not responsible for Michael Conforto getting concussed. He's not responsible for Brandon Nimmo going from Bryce Harper to Jason Bay. Like, these are things he can't control. And it, when it happens to the Mets, it never ha- it's never just one fucking thing, right? It's always when, an avalanche. When the Mets, when it's it goes wrong, it's the entire fucking ship. It's always an avalanche. Yeah. Like, think of where the Mets would be this year if it wasn't for Pete Alonso. I don't want to think about that. Because Pete Alonso is going to be amazing. For Pete think, Ryan, legitimately think, would we have a podcast if it wasn't for Pete Alonso? Probably not, I, because I'm dead. Okay. <laughs> I want to say yes, because the Rangers are... I want mm, to I want to save this for next week. Um, I don't want to do it now, even if you say, let's do it now. I, we talked about like ranking relevancy as teams. I'd like to rank competency in teams in New York. But let's save it. I want to save oh it Oh my God, week. dude. It's a, it's a fucking... I don't know. It's hard. Because Think about it. I, Think We've I, already forgotten. It hasn't even been four days since the Jets did something fired their I've fucking never GM after the draft. Oh, my goodness. Um, they fired. They, yeah. Oh, my God. I just, I, we have to do it a little bit now because I know we're going to forget. Okay. The Jets fired their GM who hired the coach because the coach doesn't like the GM. Ugh. Then don't fucking hire the coach. Like, what are you thinking? I don't understand. All right. The coach, the coach is Adam Gase is responsible for McCagan being gone. If you're McCagan, just hire a different guy. Fine. What the fuck are you doing? I can't not do this now, now that we start. I really want to save this segment because I feel like it's a nice 20-minute segment, but I'll just do it now. Fuck it. Um, from, from the top, right? Yankees, we agree, is first. I, I, uh, I don't know. This is, Ryan, this is how batshit crazy New York sports are. We've normalized the Steinbrenners. Yes, I, but I'm just saying competency within... Do we count Brooklyn as a New York sports franchise? We, we, we do count Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets as a New York sports franchise, and I still would say the Yankees are number one. 
I don't know because I think I know the Nets plan. I know their vision. I know what they're doing. And I think they're doing it to perfection with the Yankees. They're another team like the Mets where as great as this season's going, all they had to do was sign Manny Machado. It's not like Manny Machado is like breaking up the world or anything. He's been okay. Like I I know he's Manny Machado. You're not, you don't have to worry about Gio Urshela playing like fucking Manny Machado if you have Manny Machado. I know, but the Yankees are in first place and like they've been winning for years. So I, 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 I just feel like the... I will, I will, we will put the Yankees first because I'm not going to win this. The Nets are second. I'll go the Nets second. I have the Rangers third. Yes, because I still don't 100... The, Rain, the Islanders are better than the New York Rangers currently. Right. But the Rangers have a whole lot less questions than the New York Islanders do. Right. I have the Islanders for. So I would put, I would, for the, this isn't a biased opinion. I would have, I know you hate the Islanders. I do. But if, if anyone listens to this podcast, they know that I am staunchly just agnostic when it comes to the New York Islanders. I, I think there's a chance the Islanders can jump ahead of the New York Rangers this offseason, but they have so many questions regarding Nelson Lee and Eberle and their goalie situation that I can't 100% say that I would trust them to make the right decision. Agree. And I think they, that puts them at number four. Which, yes. Which leads us to the Knicks at five. Yeah, which is stunning. I know. That is tough. The New York... You, you know what the even more stunning part is? It's by a mile. It's not that even they're close. ahead of the Giants, Jets, and Mets. It's not even it's, close. <laughs> there's like a Grand Canyon between the Knicks and those three other teams. I know, because the Knicks might have Kevin Durant, another superstar, and Anthony Davis. And at least if they don't have that, they have R.J. Barrett and Kevin Durant next year. So, uh, like, they're at least going to be fifth no matter what happens. That's insane. It's, it's batshit crazy. Uh, I... <sighs> I, I really don't know with the last three. Is it possible it's a three-way tie for dead last? It's not. I think... God. It, okay, so drama aside with the Jets, yep. that should still be a pretty enjoyable team. Yes. But at the same time, we could have said the exact same thing about the Mets. Hard to... Yep. Hard to take a, the... Fired the GM after the draft because the coach doesn't like him even though the GM fired the coach situation. Yeah, it's really tough. And it's also the what the coach we're talking about is Adam fucking Gase. Oh, God. This is fucking miserable. Uh, I think I go... This is a gut check, okay? I think I go... Jets, Mets, Giants. I This is going to surprise you. Yes. Um, I'm excited for how... Oh, my God. We, um, can we post this on Twitter tomorrow as a poll, please? Yes. I'm, tomorrow, I'll post it tonight. Uh, because at least the Giants have won two titles within the last 20 years. Okay, that's that's relevant. It's just they for the last four years, they've been total ass. Right, and this year, it was just a clusterfuck of they traded Odell Beckham for nothing. Oh, by the way, they drafted a fourth-round quarterback with the number six pick. Yeah. Oh, by the way, they also passed on three franchise quarterbacks last year. Oh, by the way, they also could have traded for one of those franchise quarterbacks this year for a third round pick. And they didn't. Um, Yikes. Yeah. That's tough. When you put it all together like that, I, uh, you know what? I think I'd go Mets, Jets, Giants, because 
in in theory, the Mets have the Mets should be better, right? All the Mets have to do to be better is for players to play like they should be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jets and Giants feel like they are just categorically fucked. They're so fucked. Both of them. It's so bad. All right. Uh, we'll post this on Twitter. Oh, the, Feel free to give the us. The Mets are winning 4 nothing tonight, so this makes perfect sense. Give yeah. us your reactions on, on the competency ratings of New York sports. Uh, yeah, I think I think the list we have is pretty solid. It's just so sad that the Jets and Giants are towards the bottom. All right. It's it's just it's so clear to me what the top five is and what the bottom three is. It's so it's night and day. And the Nets, I believe you can you can make an argument that I know this is a Rangers podcast, and I'm sure many of you will. Uh, you can make an argument that the Rangers are above the Nets. I can I, I you can at least I can at least hear that argument out. Totally fine. But I think the Nets sure. have done a great job with what they have. All right. Yes. Uh, uh, Game of Thrones final episode. Boy. I feel like every single week you and I had like at least like a 10 minute rant on this. This might actually be short. Yeah, because I just, I'm not here to pick nits. Uh, I, I, I could, if I want to, Yep. I'm just not going to, for me, it's this episode was just a continuation of my general frustration. Now that I've, we've had a week to digest and I'm sure it'll, this point will just get reaffirmed even more. The penultimate episode in a vacuum, I think is pretty good. My problem with it is that should have been the penultimate episode of like season 10. My issue with this episode is that nothing was earned. Everything was rushed. I don't have a problem with a lot of the endings. Arya being a pirate is pretty cool, I guess. Sansa ruling the North makes so sense. You, Yeah, and you, you read the books. So apparently yep. Arya is more of a world traveler in the books. Yeah, she is. Big time. She's so, like always on the boats. She shit. traveled. She did travel a lot in the series, but I don't think the thing that TV show fans know about Arya Stark is that girl likes to travel. Doesn't like to sure travel. The thing she's we all like, know about Arya Stark is that girl can kill people. Yeah, and she could change her face, even though she did it no zero times in season eight. Um, right, but you know there were there weren't big battles for her to do that face changing. Yeah, thing there wasn't with, anything like that, that could possibly save lives. Yeah, of course. So not. I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, really, my problem with the entire season, it comes down to the writing because that, that goes in line with what's earned, how it's presented, and what the end result is. Two episodes ago, we had Bran Stark say, like Tyrion going to Bran Stark being like, oh, you're going to be the Lord of Winterfell now. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm not really a person. Yeah, and, so then, no, and then all of a sudden, Gregory, oh, why do you think I'm here? What? Yeah, like, it's, it's that, guys. That's... That kind of thing is my gripe. It's not, it's not, it's not that just, it's not just that things were rushed. It's just like writers weren't rereading their own notes. You can't have brands say, I'm not really anything anymore. And then three weeks go by and he's like, why do you think I'm here? Here to be king. Here to be king with my broken fucking dick. I'm brand thanks, Stark. Thanks, Santa, for calling also, it guys, out. Don't don't have sisters because this is what sisters do. Um, we might, you know what? We might honestly have to have a sister podcast. Oh, because sister cast. I guarantee you, like my a sister cast. Because my sister would, you think my mom brought up like cute stories and shit. Like my sister would bring up the most embarrassing shit in the world. My sister and I. I don't even fucking know if, if it's true. I have a half sister, so it's not like we spent a lot of time with each other. She happens to live with a guy that you might have heard of or maybe not have heard of or ever seen. It's called my father. And, um, yes, I, <laughs> so I don't know about that. We'll see. But, uh, back to the episode for a second. I, I just think I'm fine with all the plot points finishing where they did. I think John going up North makes sense. 
with the exception of Grey Worm, who suddenly became evil and suddenly like had control of the city, was the one that wanted him up north and then left. And then they still sent him up north, no, which Gre- makes Gre- no Gre- sense. Grey wanted him dead, and the compromise was sending him north. But then Grey Worm but left, then- and no one else cared about John doing that, so why the fuck? Here's another thing, Gregory. Uh, hmm. Do you remember all those Dothraki that somehow lived through the Battle of the Winterfell, even though they all died? Yes. Um, what happened to them when Daenerys died? Because they only go for their Kalasar. Uh, which is their tribe or whatever. And when Khal Drogo died, they went around and killed everyone in surrounding towns. Now, we heard nothing about what happened to the uh, to the Dothraki after Danny died, or if they even know. So, really tied that one up. Um, yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, just I think, very uh, bad. I, I also had a big, big issue with, well, we need a king. We should all elect a king. Oh we all agree Bran is... And like, Sansa's being like, we definitely need a king. And then everyone's like, cool, we're going to make it Bran. And then Sansa's like, the North definitely doesn't need a king. Or, or um, just my favorite is when, uh, what's her face? Uh, the Theon sister, I don't know, Yara. Um, she's like, yeah. she's like, <laughs> Danny is my queen. And a minute later, he's like, "Was vote for Bran for king? Yeah, I. Yep, that sounds good. Like, oh my. Also, God. isn't the whole point, and I've, this isn't my idea. One of our friends brought this up. Isn't the whole point about the Iron Islands that they just want to be left alone? Yeah. On their own? Yeah. But everyone else, they're like, king of the six kingdoms, because we're now letting the north go. At what point doesn't Yara just go, wait, if the north ain't going to be there, why do the Iron Islands have to be there? I don't know. What, and, uh, what, and then they what? make the stupid ice and fire joke. Bran is somehow on the high council. Like, I don't know, dude. Like, there's just so many moments where I was like, okay. It's just, I got, I should have been, like, feeling some sort of emotion saying goodbye to these characters that I've spent so much time with. Like, I'm not going to spoil other shows, but, like, the end of Breaking Bad, I was very emotional. Um, This season of Barry has been very emotional for me. And other shows, you know, I've been really attached to these characters. You know, and I felt nothing the entire time. Nothing. The only time I felt yeah, anything I'm- is when John Pett ghost. That was it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to not having to watch a television show next Sunday. My big takeaway and my kind of maybe my final point about Thrones, because I, I, I could really honestly, Gregory, go on about this for a very long time and I just don't have the energy. Mm. Uh, mm. I truly believe this will not be the last time we see these characters on television. Oh, hell no. They, they already announced spinoffs. No, 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 no. I, I'm I, sure... I, I believe when Tyrion says to Jon, this will not probably be the last time we see each other, maybe 10 years or so. I believe that is leaving the door wide open for the sequel to Game of Thrones with Jon, Tyrion, Arya, Sansa, like 10 years later. Yeah. I truly believe that. Uh, too much money. Too much money. And we all... Money rules the game. It's too much money. Money is the real... Well, money is the real king of Well, the they could have made more money if, if HBO had the balls to just fire D&B. Like, for real. Because they would have had three more seasons of 10 episodes each and we all would have watched and been happy about it. But no, they had to rush through it to get Star Wars out. Congratulations. And I'm just saying this right now. If those Star Wars movies, 2022, 2024, 2026, aren't Obi-Wan Kenobi movies, I'm not seeing them. Fuck off. All right. Uh, I mean, I, 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 let me put it this way. Um, I'm so mad. Solo was so bad that I have no interest in seeing spinoff movies anymore in the Star Wars universe. And I don't know about you. I'm not overly excited for episode nine. The trailer does nothing for me. I don't really give a fuck about it. I'm going to see it just because I've invested Same. this much time in other things. But 
Solo was so bad that I have I have literal zero interest in Star Wars. It's funny you mention that because I feel very similar. Because all right, how much hype was there going up to Endgame? Like Infinite? Like there was a just fuck, a fuck ton. A metric Dude, I fuck watched ton. twenty two movies in preparation <laughs> for Endgame. Yeah, it's uh, a metric fuck ton of of hype. I feel like the hype around Star Wars Episode Nine was really uh, they lost their momentum with the Last Jedi and it being so subversive in a weird way and having some interesting characters. See, so you think it was the Last Jedi that really? I do. So I think I do. I think the last. I think we could have gotten through the Last Jedi if Solo was good, but. Solo is up there for one of my least enjoyable movie-going experiences. I really like the other spin-off movie they made with uh, the Rebels. I forgot what it's called. Rogue One? Yeah. Rogue One is incredible. It's a great movie. Rogue One is probably one of my three favorite Star Wars movies. It, should, it should be. It's an amazing individual story. It, yeah. And th- that's why I think that's part of the reason why The Last Jedi was such a letdown. Because we were coming off Rogue One and we are like, holy shit. This franchise is back, baby. The Last Jedi is a sick movie. It's it's forty minutes long, and it's only about Rey and Kylo Ren. It's amazing. It, but that, <laughs> yeah, I don't need everything that happened on the casino planet with John Boyega at all. And I like John Boyega a lot, but you did yeah, nothing with and him. I like that story. I liked the Ray boy. I don't, I don't Finn. Yeah, I like the Ray Finn storyline. And then they're like, hey, by the way, the storyline you like, we're gonna have Finn fuck off and do something else. It's really else. weird. All right, uh, we're done and for the week. Oh, by the way, uh, Finn's new love interest is gonna be the something else too. Even though we were all just getting invested in Ray and Finn. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't. I don't. Whatever. All right. We everyone knows how I feel about some of those characters. All right, we're out of here, buddy. We'll see you next week. Follow me on Twitter at Olrymead. Follow Greg at Blue Break. Bye. It's time to expect more from urgent care, like caregivers who take time to listen, smooth access to local specialty care if you need it, virtual visits and save your spot convenience, plus easy access community locations. And we're open 365 days a year to treat your sprains, cuts, fever, and flu. Northwell Health Go Health Urgent Care. Get more than you expect and exactly what you need. Welcome to a new era in urgent care. 